numbers. But of course, that is not what the Hebrew word means. The Hebrew word means in the wilderness. Ba is in, Mipar is the wilderness. And what I thought I would do today is instead of speaking specifically, I will a little bit, about the parsha. I want to talk about the book as a whole and its place and what it portends, because it is actually in some, every book has their own unique interest in different ways and also as a whole, but I don't think that Bami Bar's profile is as clear in some people's minds as some of the others. Genesis, we know, is the story about all the families in the beginning of the world. And Exodus is about the Exodus. And Leviticus is the st- all the stuff about priesthood. And Deuteronomy is the recap with Moses's final speech. Um, Bamibar is something else. And in some ways uh, might be the most relevant uh, metaphorically to our current situation. Um, because Bamibar, first of all, begins um, at Sinai. And it ends in the plains of Moab before the Israelites are, are going into the land. So Bamibar is really the story of the Israelites wandering in the wilderness. Uh, and as such, it gives us both an insight into the character of the Israelites and also an insight into the nature of the meaning of the dominant metaphor of the Torah, which is Bamibar in the wilderness, because four-fifths of the Torah, almost, close to four-fifths of the Torah, is spent in the wilderness. Uh, And therefore, it's a story about a geographical place that has few, if any, markers. Um, Remember that, you know, if you think of unbroken, same scenery, day after day, week after week, year after year, that idea of desert. Um, it means that the Israelites are wandering in a place where they don't exactly go from place to place, although obviously they do, um, but they have to fill in the meaning of the empty wilderness in themselves because the landscape won't give it to them. Um, The desert is where you feel nature's indifference most keenly because you don't, it is not moderated or, um, or made more, uh, agreeable or ameliorated in any way by the creations of human beings as it is in cities. Um, and, uh, and it doesn't have the kind of variety and differentiate differentiation that you have, for example, in forests um, or in landscape that's broken by rivers and and trees and so on. So the idea of the wilderness itself becomes a huge metaphor for the Torah and for the rabbis commenting on the Torah. Why does God give the Torah in a wilderness, say the rabbis, because the Torah is open to all. That's one example of the way in which the wilderness is used. And the Hebrew word midbar contains the letters dalad bet resh for davar. Davar, like divarim, the last uh, book of the Torah, davar means thing, but also means word, right? 
Ela Devarim. These are the words that Moses speaks. So the words are hinted at in some way geographically in the name of the previous um, book of the Torah, Bamibar. And also, it reveals the character of a people when you stick them in a place where they have nothing to do except be themselves. And that's also part of what happens in Bamibar. And so I want to just remind you of the principal events that mark the book, or at least some of the principal events, um, the ones that, that reveal the character of the people more than anything else. And it begins already with complaints. And the complaints don't only come from the people, although that's like their profession in the wilderness, right? Another hot day, let's complain, um, which <laughs> it's probably still the case with many of us. Uh, but the complaints begin with the people who are closest to Moses, with Miriam and Aaron, who gossip about Moses and about Moses' family. And so the, um, the rot that has taken hold in Egypt of the people did not even escape the most important family because there is in the Israelites in the desert a deep sort of dissatisfaction with the reality of their lives. And when people are deeply dissatisfied with the reality of their lives, they strike out, not only uh, against the reality, but against other people. And we can see this all the time. Um, this is not a new observation, obviously. Uh, it's certainly the case these days that there is a lot of recrimination and it's because of the dissatisfaction that people feel. Uh, and some of it, as is always the case with dissatisfaction, some of it is true. And, and you can learn about it more from the tone sometimes than from the accuracy of the allegation. But in Moses and Aaron's case, they're, um, angry and dissatisfied, I mean, I'm sorry, Miriam and Aaron, uh, Miriam is angry and dissatisfied and is punished. Um, but that just begins to set the tone for the, for the continual um, sort of tightness of spirit and complaint that are the mark of this entire journey. Because after you get the spies, the episode of the spies, which we will talk about in more detail, but I just want to remind you again, Moses sends them into the promised land. And of the 12 spies, only two, Kalev and Yehuah, come back with good reports, and everyone else says it's impossible, can't be done. We'll never be able to conquer that land. The people are giants, and we fought like grasshoppers, and we're nothing. And the faithlessness on the heels of the Exodus, because remember that it hasn't been that much time, the faithlessness on the heels of the Exodus, um, the brevity of historical memory, the depth of ingratitude and the resultant um, suspicion 
that God can't, maybe God could get us out of there, but God can't get us into there, tells us something very deep again about the character of the people, which is that they are unable to believe in themselves, their destiny, uh, in God's enabling them to succeed. And I think um, clearly uh, we are prepared for that possibility that they will not be able to be the kinds of um, the, the kind the kind of generation that deserves to go into the land. Uh, so all of that prepares us in some way um, for what is, I guess, the most um, the most uh, painful moment on an individual level because so often. Um, the moments that are painful are individual moments as opposed to collective ones. And that is when the people complain about water and Moses strikes the rock and God says, that's it. You don't get to go into the land of, of Israel. Uh, and that instant in microcosm is a, is representative of the frustration, the anger, the inability to believe that, we have already seen in previous instances. Um, and you see that as was hinted at with the gossip of Moses and Aaron, it even touches, of, of Miriam and Aaron, it even touches Moshe. And no one escapes the corrosive effects of the history of Egypt. And it's almost like the early childhood of an individual you can't entirely escape the influences that touch you when you're young. And here too, the Israelites are unable to escape the influence of Egypt, which has shaped them now for some considerable time. And they go into the wilderness as essentially complaining dependents. That is, with the mentality of slaves and not the mentality of free men. They do not believe in their possibility of shaping their own destiny. And that, of course, the powerlessness of it, or the sense of powerlessness, is to the human will the most corrosive thing. Learned helplessness, which is something that, as you know, psychology has given us a considerable understanding about, Learned helplessness is something that makes it almost impossible to create, to envision overcoming obstacles, to create circumstances in which you will overcome those obstacles. Um, and, and those people who do feel still some sense of agency and power, um, what they lack is faith. Because Korach and his band do feel a sense of power and agency because they rebel against Moshe. And a rebellion takes some moxie. You can't rebel if you feel absolutely helpless. But Korach, of course, is rebelling out of ego and not out of a, a desire to make the situation of the Israelites better. And that, when we come to Korach, we will discover in his actions and his words. Um, but if you now think about the instances of um, 
the events that we highlighted from Bami Bar, the complaining, the complaints about water, the refusal to allow that generation into the land and to allow Moses into the land, the rebellion of Korach, then when we finally get to the land, it is unsurprising that a couple of the tribes, Ruvain, God, and half of Manasseh, don't want to go in the land. They want territory on the other side of the Jordan. Um, and so Bamibar, in one way, is the great book of faithlessness in the Torah. It is the book where the desert and the wandering um, persuades the Israelites that they are still in a terrible situation and that they emerged from Egypt only to go into a land that is not much better and in some ways is worse, which is why um, they'll say to Moshe even earlier in the Torah, weren't there enough graves in Egypt? You had to bring us out to the wilderness uh, to die, which, um, which makes us understand something also about not only the nature of the Israelites, but also human nature. Uh, it's not just that we, to some extent, romanticize the past, uh, which we have a tendency to do, but we feel most keenly the insults of the present. And we have this uh, negative bias in our natures, and this is programmed into us and has to be fought and overcome, we have this negative bias in our natures that makes us notice the pain more keenly than the joy. And the Israelites did not walk out of the sea after, after the song of the sea, which is a brief interlude after all. Um, they don't then go on to joyous proclamations throughout the desert of the God who has set them free. Um, Quite the opposite. Having now achieved their freedom, that's something that they take for granted. And it's all the other things that they lack that they notice most keenly. Um, and we're in something of the same situation. Yes, we know that there are certain things that have happened in our world that we should feel grateful for. But the difficulties and trials and pains um, for us and for uh, others predominate and we are ourselves feeling something of a wilderness and how you get out of the wilderness of course is a matter of some debate which I don't think I'm going to go into in the Torah class um, but I do want to return to the Parsha to make a couple of points that help put this in some perspective. And that is, Bamibar begins with a census, with counting. Um, and the idea most commentators uh, suggest is that God is letting the Israelites know that in contrast to slavery, where no individual counts, the, the essence of a slave is to be a number. Um, it's very much like the camps where the Nazis would put a number on your arm because you were no longer a person. An individual didn't count. You were a number. And numbers can accomplish certain things individuals 
that 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 are relevant to whether you're an individual. Um, so going through the wilderness begins with a census as if to say every single individual counts. One rabbi uses the very nice analogy. It's like uh, how you keep checking your pockets to make sure you haven't lost your money. God keeps checking God's pockets to make sure the Israelites are still there. Just patting his pants to make sure, so to speak. Although it's not his and it's not pants, but otherwise it works. Um, the fundamental declaration of the beginning of the book of Genesis that every human being is in the image of God is here given a sort of political and, and um, tribal significance that every tribe has to count the people in it because every person in each tribe matters. And as they go through the wilderness, all these people will not only be counted, but will count. And the fact that we have the names of so many at the beginning of Bamidbar is a remarkable thing, which means that for thousands of years, these names were preserved. And it's a way of emphasizing that the individuals count and that the census uh, lets us know that they're radically different from the atmosphere of slavery from which they came because now they're Israelites, they're in the image of God, and they matter. The second thing um, that I want to, uh, to point out is that Israel is divided into tribes. And this simple recognition, which all of us know, also lets us understand that there are always, in every group, there are divisions within divisions and different adherence and loyalties. And so it's not one people marching through the wilderness. It's 12 tribes constituting one people marching through the wilderness. And the idea that people have separate identities is not at odds or need not be at odds with having a greater identity. You can be a Californian and still be an American, right? You can be a member of your family and still be a good citizen of your city. And from the beginning, this acknowledgement, which is explicit in creating tribes that Different identities can exist within you and they need not be at war within you is really important because, of course, as political structures grow, these identities will proliferate and you'll be a part of this section of the country or that section of the country and on and on. So even though we imagine all the Israelites marching as one, in fact, every tribe had its banner and they marched separately in some sense, and each tribe had its own leaders that they looked up to, and so on and so forth. So in, in, in a very, um, I suppose, psychologically speaking, if not the structure of the politics, very similar way to states, and people believe that they belong to states in a certain way more than they belong to, um, more than they belong to uh, other kinds of identities, and yet they're still parts of the entirety of the United States, so too you could be a member of Naftali or God or one of the other tribes, and yet your identity as an Israelite was not diminished by that, but rather your identity as an Israelite encompassed it. Um, so 
this is the book that we begin, uh, the book that, com that contains the journey. And more than any other book of the Torah, it is the book of the journey. It is the wandering in the wilderness. And it is the recognition that we are, um, all of us, uh, still there. Because Bamidbar, in some ways, is the representative book of the Torah. It's the ordinary people with their average complaints, their dissatisfaction, and the reality that they have not yet arrived. So we haven't either, but we have faith that one day we will. Stay well. I hope you have a good week. And uh, hope to see you on Shabbos. Bye.